Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It's the July 8th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's Friday. We're kind of in the sports doldrums here. It's the dog days of summer in Major League Baseball. Go Rays. That's about it. We don't even have the USFL anymore. Can you believe it? <laughs> I can't believe it. It's just the way it feels. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. You want to hear something funny? What? So as I'm, you know, I do an intro. Yeah. So as I'm typing out, tapping out my intro, mm-hmm. I put in USFL, <laughs> and it auto-corrected it. Oh, no. And guess what it put in there? No idea. Suck. Hmm. For real. Try it. If you have an iPhone, give that a shot. Uh, hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing and uh, sharing the show with your your sports-loving friends and family. And if you're uh, interested in uh, your sports news and information, you know, I spend a lot of the day just, you know, maybe refreshing a sports site or something, find out what's going on. Well, instead of doing that over at, you know, maybe ESPN.com, you could come over to umyasports.com instead. Uh, we curate the best sports news and information from around the socials, around the web, local sites, bring it all to you free of charge, free of ads. Go check it out, umyasports.com. Also, we are on Twitter at umyasports. Jump over there, start up a conversation with us. We'd like that, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So uh, before we started recording... We were having a little conversation. Apparently, so Tom Brady, he's a, you know, AFC guy. You think of him in New England mm-hmm. for the majority of his career, right? Yeah. Playing in the AFC. So, mm-hmm. of course, he's he's won many playoff games against AFC teams. But you don't think of him as necessarily being a guy that has uh, won a lot of games uh, in the uh, against NFC opponents in the, uh, in the postseason. However... He has what? He has 10. He has 10? 10 wins in it against NFC com- or uh, opponents in the playoffs. Okay, so. and so what's the uh, what's the most? It's like Brett, is it Brett Favre? 13, I believe, is the most. Brett Favre Brett at Favre. 13? Okay. So, and that's because he won six Super Bowls against yeah. NFC opponents. And then he went on that uh, tear in the playoffs and won those three games yep. to get the playoff or a Super Bowl. And then he also... Uh, won the wild card, or was it wild card last year? Yeah, the playoff round yeah, last year before getting eliminated yeah. against the you know the Rams. So honestly, he has those ten, which is actually kind of surprising. Um, like you mentioned, because yeah. I don't think him as an a, uh, an NFC guy. Obviously, he plays for the Buccaneers, but that's something you just kind of overlook as far as the playoff wins. You don't really think about that as any sort of record that someone could hold, but. Um, it's not that hard for him to beat it at this point. I mean, he already has 10. All he needs is to win the wild card round all the way through to the Super Bowl. Just get to the Super Bowl. Which he's done countless times of wild card, you know, anything. But an interesting fact is if both the Green Bay Packers and the Buccaneers start in the wild card round and make it to the NFC Championship round, that game will decide which quarterback 
holds that record because Aaron Rodgers would also be in the same situation. Ah, interesting. So there'd be a little bit of you know oh, something going on drama, there, which just has happened angle. before, where Green Bay and Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay played each other, which happened in the first year when they went to the Super Bowl. So that could happen, but yeah. random factoids that you know you find on the internet. That's so, very very interesting. So instead of a trivia question. Yeah. That's the trivia. It's like a fact topic. There you no, go. It's just a fact. It's, it's a fact. fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. Fun fact. That's great. So after much drama and waiting and suspense, where's Baker gonna go? What stadium is he gonna move into? Where's he gonna bring his bags and his couch? <laughs> we get, we have an answer now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Baker is a Carolina Panther, right? Mm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's uh. It's interesting. We knew Carolina or Seattle would want him. Uh, that's been the type, kind of the teams that have been in the running for him. And yep. finally, you know, Carolina must be in that bad of shape. Uh, <laughs> They're desperate. Because they, they have Sam Darnold. They already have um, P.J. Walker, which was a U.S. or XFL, uh, XFL yep. uh, player for a while. One of the best quarterbacks in that league. And then they also just drafted uh, Matt Corral. So they got... You know, three quarterbacks. It's a very full quarterback room. Two with experience playing. Um, one that's been up and down with Sam Darnold. And then you add a fourth in there. And obviously, Matt Corral is probably not going to start from the beginning. Uh, P.J. Walker, is, I think, is a good quarterback. I think he was able to play a little bit in preseason last year, not really able to do much. And then Sam Darnold had a great you know, beginning of the season and then fell off uh, rather quickly. And so now you bring... Um, then now you bring Baker Mayfield in there and hope that he's able to patch up, you know, whatever holes are left. Um, but I, I, at this point, I just feel like Carolina's in, you know, really rough shape. Um, you kind of think that way when, you know, your star wide receiver, Robbie Anderson, who went with uh, Sam Darnold around the same time to the team. Uh, actually, I think he went before. Uses Instagram. I believe it was Instagram. When uh when that news broke that Baker looked like he was gonna be going to Carolina and post the word no. Oh really? <laughs> so he a really bunch said, of O's. Okay, so he was on his he's like running. He's he, like running for the door. He's like, get me out of here. He has not wanted to get play me to Nashville with Baker Mayfield. Get me to Nashville at all. And so now be a Titan. Now they uh and now he's been circulating like you're mentioning trade rumors around him. But as far as Baker's concerned, honestly. I mean, it's better than going to Seattle for sure. I think Seattle is in an, an interesting spot, but can he turn around Carolina? Um, I, I think I don't think it's honestly that bad of a move. I think Sam Darnold. Uh, I think there's some similarities there, but I think Matt, uh, Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback. Uh, he hasn't made as many mistakes. I think partly the reason he's made all these mistakes. If you're Sam Darnold, is because of his time with the Jets, might have been you know programming him the wrong way. Those were the very beginning years as a quarterback, and now he's taking all that baggage with him to the, the new team, and he really can't get anything going. Uh, but you now have Baker Mayfield, who can run, and we've seen him make mistakes with the football and you know throw aired passes and all that stuff. But we've also seen him make some good plays, make some right reads with the football. He can be accurate and he can be good, but he can also be very bad. But We've seen what he's able to do with a correct coaching, which I don't know if he has in Carolina, uh, and B with a good roster, he can take it to the playoffs. But if you look at this Carolina team, all you can really think about is DJ Moore, 
um, Robbie Anderson, but she's probably gonna be gone. Sam Darnold, just because of you know him being Sam Darnold going to the new team, uh, and then Christian McCaffrey. You think of him, and then I think did Hayson Reddick. I think Hayson Reddick went to Carolina, or maybe he went to the Eagles. I'm trying to remember if I'm mixing it up. But there's a couple of teams on this Carolina team that you kind of think about, uh, but I don't feel like they have all that many pieces. Um, but I feel like this is a desperation thing for. Matt Rule as a coach for the GM and for all these players because it kind of feels like this Carolina team is on the verge of blowing up as for, not in a good way but in a bad way like imploding and, and losing everything and all the players and all the pieces and everything and just kind of reverting a little bit uh, so that's a little bit of a scary thought um, but also I think it's interesting how much of a pay cut they wanted to give they I think they wanted to give him like a seven million dollar pay cut or whatever. Uh, but he ended up taking a $2 million pay cut. And then the Cleveland Browns also had to help pay for the salary. And all they got in return was a fourth and a fifth round pick. Huh. So Carolina won that trade. They don't have to pay very much of the salary. They got, they got, they got to deduct the 2% or the $2 million off the back of the deal. Uh, and then also, you know, you just kind of look at it and you're saying to yourself, okay, we're, you know, we're in a good situation. As far as I can, as that's concerned, if you're, if you're the you know the Carolina Panthers, but Baker Mayfield's gonna have to great have to have a great season in order to make this worthwhile. However, it's not that much that they gave up as far as draft capital is concerned, so it's kind of just a trial mission, see if they can do last kind of resort. But I kind of feel like the end is drawing near for the coaching staff, some most of these players, and they're gonna have to start from scratch. And I think Matt Corral is going to be that player that they're going to build around because they already drafted him. It would make no sense to draft another one without even seeing him play. So it's going to be an interesting season. Um, and we'll see exactly how it all works out for him. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, shift over to the, uh, the NBA. I guess we can't get through an episode without talking about the NBA as moves are being made and players are changing teams. Uh, what's going on with Kyrie and KD in Brooklyn? Yeah, I. So the KD and one is just kind of taking time. I mean, it's uh, like there's is there just not. It's a market for it, but it's gonna take like he's they're asking for so much. They wanted, um, the the Timberwolves to give up Anthony Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and then four first round picks, which they're never gonna do. Uh, and then like they want a piece like like from the Pelicans, Ingram. And then from the Raptors, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, gosh. Scotty Barnes, which is like their rising star player. So they want key pieces from all of these squads that no one's going to give up. They're so gonna is, it, ha- is it like people don't think that KD adds, you know, doesn't add enough to the team to like... No one's willing to give up their future and the stars that they already have. So this this Brooklyn experiment has hurt his stock. Well, I don't think it hurts his dog. I think if the team was asking for a legitimate price point, okay, it's just that they're just asking everyone for would go. Everyone wants it, yeah. but okay. no one's willing to do that. I mean, if they asked for maybe three first round picks and Patrick Beverly, what, what they gave the what they gave the the Jazz or whatever, I'm sure they would have done that deal like like that. And honestly, from what I've heard, uh, they're the summer league is going on right now. And so the Nets are going to be meeting teams face to face and kind of talking to them and trying to figure it all out, trying to get things going, but they're not in a rush because they got four years of him on contract. So they don't have to, you know, move this along all that quickly. Um, 
So they're going to try to feel out the market. They're being a little bit over aggressive. I feel like I don't think the market is that going to be that hot for giving up that much. There's, you know, pretty much zero teams that are going to be willing to give up their young stars plus their future. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But uh, and then with Kyrie Irving, one thing I read that was really interesting right before we started this podcast is the Lakers and LeBron James are not on the same page of who they want to pick up. LeBron James wants Kyrie Irving. Um, he thinks that's the player for him. They want to come back together, everything like that. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is the Lakers want to pick up uh, either uh, Buddy Heald or I can't remember the guy's name. But uh, there's two guys um, that they're trying to look at, uh, and they're trying to be like, these are the pieces that we're just going to add on top and try to help build. And they're a little bit afraid of you know adding another superstar into the mix after you know Russell Westbrook's deal and that that didn't really work out at all. Uh, and so adding a guy like Kyrie Irving doesn't make like a whole lot of sense. And then what I also hear is that they don't. Every team that is willing to trade for him understand if you're Kyrie Irving. Every team that's willing to trade for him understands that he's going to the Lakers. So if you go for him and you trade for him and you give all the way all this stuff, you're gonna get him for a year maybe, and then he's gonna you know leave. That that's like you're renting him. You're not gonna actually be able to have him for any extended period of time. So the Lakers are pretty much the only team that is really gonna go for him. But the problem is if the if the Lakers. I think LeBron James has a little leverage there because it's a contract year for himself. So he could end up, you know, not doing the deal and trying to move somewhere else and go to a different team. That's an option as well. If the Lakers, you know, don't play quite right. Uh, But honestly, that's going to be an interesting thing. We'll see exactly where the NBA is as a whole is, is it at the point where what the superstar says goes or are we at the point where the ownership in the front office decides? And that's really where the Lakers are at right now, where they're kind of at a crossroads. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, you look at it, and I think Kyrie Irving has a little bit more of an advantage over some of these guys because if you're Kyrie Irving, you got, you know, you can, you've been in the league a while, you know how to play in the playoffs, you know how to win basketball games, you can hit the three very well. But then the other two guys that they're really looking at are more key, not really key pieces, but pieces you can add on top and kind of build around but their ceiling might not be as high. So both moves make sense. I think Le- uh, LeBron James is really looking at it as a legacy move, I think, more than a move for the Lakers as far as what move will help me win a championship because Russell Westbrook's not going to help you do it, and I don't think Anthony Davis is going to help you do it. I think Anthony Davis is kind of a liability. He can't stay healthy it's been a problem the last two seasons and then you add Russell Westbrook thinking he's going to be that guy uh and they also have um what's the guy's name uh Anthony Carmelo you have him so you have like this older you know group of guys on Carmelo this Anthony Carmelo Anthony yeah there you go. uh on the squad so I think adding a guy like Kyrie Irving would make sense but I also feel like at the same time you make that move and you trade for Kyrie and he doesn't turn out to be what you were hoping for and has some issues as far as his ability to play on the uh, on the you know on, on the court, and he just got swept by the Boston Celtics in the last playoff series. You look at that, that might be a little bit of a turnoff. And you look at these other two guys that you could definitely trade for, not give away as much. I think it's Miles Turner is the other guy. Um, you could give away not as much. Plus, you have to worry about the Suns doing a sign and trade deal for Miles Turner. So you kind of have to look at all that. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes that wasn't really talked about until I saw this article of you know spotlighting why there's no traction between the Lakers and the Nets. And I think it's because of that, you know, situation and what's going on there. Um, but at this point, Kyrie signed his player option. So he's going to be 
with the Nets, if nothing happens and nothing gets traded, I feel I think, and you know, the break of the season's you know a good distance out, so anything could happen, you know, between now and then. But if things continue on the way they're going, at least KD will be back, you know, playing for the Nets. But Kyrie is one of those pieces that you kind of will figure it out, you know, in the near future. If you know Miles Turner gets traded to the Suns for Aiden. Uh, that you know eliminates the Suns' chance of going after KD, so that's out the window. And then the uh, the Pacers are in a perfect situation. Now you're just looking at Buddy Heald from the uh, from the um, from the Kings, and maybe you do a deal with the you know uh, with Russell Westbrook. But if neither of those guys gets traded, or if, or if one of them gets traded with the Suns and he Miles Turner's out of it, and then just the Knicks are in the conversation, then that could stalemate and that could last for a very long time. So at this point, it just kind of feels like everything's just kind of sitting in limbo where no one really knows who's going to push first. Kyrie is pushing as hard as he possibly can. Yeah, so why no traction between him and the Lakers? That's what I'm saying. I think it's just because – I don't think it's between him and the Lakers. I think it's because the Lakers are saying, I want one of these other assets that I'm waiting on, and we're not really sure what the situation is. But Kyrie's like buying houses in L.A., and then he says – uh, at the um, the women NBA team down there in LA, I can't remember their name. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, they that down there, he's at the game, and then the fans are like, "Hey, when are you gonna get traded to the Lakers?" He's like, very, very soon. I'm okay. Like, sure, very, very soon. Let's go with that. Uh, I imagine LeBron James and Kyrie are on the phone constantly, just talking about this because they both want to play together. But he's pushing as hard as he can. It seems like LeBron James is pushing as hard as he can. But it's really gonna come down to the Lakers organization about how much they're willing to give up. Which Russell Westbrook can be in that situation. I think you could add a lot of different pieces into that conversation. Anthony Davis could also be in that conversation. We'll see. But I think they could find a trade package that suits both sides. Uh, but it just depends on if they think, I want one of these two guys or I want Kyrie Irving. Do I want LeBron James? Because this could also affect LeBron James' desire to stay. A lot at stake in this little batch of guys these three guys could change the whole nba in a night so there's a lot of stuff that's been going on but from what i hear katie's a good distance out okay and i think that's why this Kyrie Irving trade is you know stalemated all right okay well it'll be interesting uh the nba is uh so you know each team is just so few people that just a few moves has such a major impact across the league so it's going to be fun to see what happens as teams you know shake things up and reform into uh next year for sure that's one thing i really like about nba as composed to other sports where the nba is such a small group of players that one move can affect everything and it could look different overnight and i think that's one of the more fun aspects of it is because everything just happening so quickly yeah so football season is on its way and part of the fun of the nfl is playing fantasy football Yes, it is. So you, there's something to talk about here. There's a new YouTube series coming from you. Mm-hmm. And what's it called? I'm calling it Sneaky Good because... Sneaky Good. I think there's a lot of fantasy and how players play it uh, and how I've used to play it is a lot of just, you know, picking the stars. The problem is once you get into a league that's, you know, bigger than four to five, you get into like the bigger leagues, you can't just pick the stars. You gotta, you gotta look at the stats. You gotta look at, you know, who they're playing for the organization, the coaching staff. Uh, you gotta look at the free agents, when to pick up, how to trade and how to draft and where to draft each player. And you gotta look at the rookies. So the reason we call it sneaky good is because you got to look at all of those facets and find those players that are overlooked 
by just the common player and get deeper in there if you want to win the jackpot if you're playing for money if not the reward for winning the whole thing so what it is is the first episode was going to cover all of the new coaches uh whether that's the jaguars um the uh just all the new uh the giants the new coaches that have come into play uh, and gone to their new team who were they who were they when they were offensive coordinators before they got hired for the new job and what do they do? Do they run the ball more? Do they pass the ball more? Yeah. And how will that translate to fantasy football? That's the first episode. Okay. And then the, the next episodes, the next two or three, will then kind of break down the AFC and then the NFC. Yeah. And then after that, it's just going to be episodes on you know drafting because we'll get all those information in and where to draft those different players. And then the left leftover ones are just going to be about trading, the art of trading, and the art of free agency and when to pick up, making you have all the knowledge necessary to win fantasy football. They'll be dropping every Monday. All right, every Monday. Okay, mm-hmm. and those will be linked up there on umyasports.com. They will, and to Twitter. I'll drop them on Twitter so you can have right. them there, or they are on um, yeah, Sports. Uh And, yeah, every Monday, so that way when we're doing the free agency stuff, and those will drop consistently for the free agents ones to know which free agents to pick up on a certain week. Uh, we'll drop on Monday because that's after the full fantasy season kind of ends and they're starting on Monday. So you have a jump on Tuesday to, you know, who to pick up and when to pick them up. And I will be following the same advice. So I trust this advice. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Uh, so I want to talk about college football for just a minute. Um, it's gotten crazy. crazy. There is, there's just a complete just shift in the college football world order as teams are jumping ship from conferences. You've got USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 and moving into the big, what, Big Ten? That's no longer the big, it's going to be like the Big 20. <laughs> big 20. Uh, with what's biggest. happening. Um, and, you know, the Pac-12, which once had gotten, you know, had it was the Pac-10 for a long time, and they expanded to become the Pac-12, and now they've got conferences and championship games and... And now they're like having to uh, align with uh, another conference, the ACC, in order to, you know, kind of maintain relevance as teams are jumping ship. It's such, it's just so crazy. It's going to be, you know, like the SEC with 20 teams and (laughs) the big, you know, and then, and like playoff systems maybe within each of those where they then, you know, maybe bubble up to, you know, inter-conference playoffs or something. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, but it's crazy. It's weird because, like, right now we're in a situation where teams are, you know, going to different spots and different regions. And they're staying in the same place, but they're switching conferences. And then also we're in a situation where we're very close to switching up the entire format for college football playoffs. So what's happening right now is going to affect – how everything's going to look for, you know, for a very long time with the different teams and where they're at. Plus kind of how the playoffs are going to look. We've seen maybe an exclusive sec playoff because every team just wants to go to the sec and be part of that part of that um, conference. Cause that's, you know, what usually is in the comp or in the championship game. But I saw that the PAC 12 and the ACC might partner up a loose partnership to gain credibility and cover coverage uh, by doing a possible championship game in Las Vegas just so that they can get a little bit more coverage on these two uh, conferences. 
because of how saturated it's all become and how all these movements are kind of going everywhere. So will this become more commonplace? I think it really depends on what the playoff situation looks like uh, come the next few years because I think this one's going to be changing and whatnot. But we've kind of created a situation where it's no longer the transfer portal anymore. It's now colleges literally entering the transfer portal to get to another conference. So that's kind of yeah. – it's just become this this interesting situation where these names don't mean anything. Big 12, Big 10, uh, Pac-12, uh, it's just going all over the place. There's not that many teams in each conference anymore. I mean, if you look at the map, uh, it's like for – is it the Big 10, um, I believe, where it has California teams and then where it should be, the actual region where it should be, and then it's like – it looks so wrong uh, and it's going to take some getting used to because I was just getting comfortable with, you know, which teams are in the actual in each conference. And now it's like, forget all that. Now you got to figure out just because this California team is, you know, they used to be by region. So it'd be like, we know which ones are each Pac-12. That's that's California, Seattle teams. And then you kind of work your way over. But now it's like you, you can't figure that out by that anymore. So that's going to be fascinating. But it's also going to be like if teams enter the SEC, they need to enter the kind of style of play that they're in, which could also bring down a little bit of that. Depending, It could rise uh, conferences and lower conferences. So w- what we've entered now is a situation where it's just changing overnight. I mean, it started with, I believe it was last season where Texas was talking about entering the SEC or something like that. And then this year we've had um, two California teams move into the Big Ten and now we're thinking about the ACC and the Pac-12 partnering up. So there's just been this movement, and now it just seems like at this point you can't stop the train. It's just going to keep going, yeah. and we'll see how far it rolls. <laughs> yes, we will. It's uh, If you like change, and some people love change, then this is a great time. There's, <laughs> there's you know much change coming in the NBA, much change coming in college football. I think this year you know there's been a lot of movement Already, of I mean, players in the NFL, so there's a lot to see there so uh so good stuff but if you if you don't like change yeah this is a terrible time terrible time (laughs) terrible time not good at all uh cool all right well i think that just about does it for this episode happy friday everybody hope you have a a great weekend and uh, we'll catch you next week right yeah awesome see you see you god bless